Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Hi, everyone. It's me again, just doing a quick opening for these summer re-releases. Again, it's June for me, but I am doing all these batching for the July podcasts um, with my family. I'm just spending time, having a wonderful time. I, at, at this point, as I'm recording this, we haven't done the things that we have set out to do, but we will. But I just wanted to be able to focus on the family and not worry about making sure that I had things all prepped and ready for podcasts. But I think this podcast re-release for the summer is really timely. What do we do with unfairness? And actually today, as I'm recording this opening, I have been worried about some unfair things that I've been feeling about different situations in our life. And I'm really grateful for this podcast that the insight that I was able to read and learn from as I prepared for that podcast a year ago. And I really appreciate you listening and I hope that it helps you. And I look forward to recording a new podcast and at the end of July, the next week after this one. So thank you for listening. I hope you're having a great summer and I look forward to re-releasing another podcast next week. Enjoy this uh, podcast on what do we do with unfairness, a summer re-release. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. How is everybody? I, um, I hope you all had a really good weekend. I, um, Matt and I had a great weekend with the kids. We did yard work and cleaned up our cars and just had a good time working and getting a lot done and going to the grocery store. And so anyway, I just hope all of you are doing really well and life is good. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about this last couple of weeks is, um, how much light there is in this world and how much goodness. And there was a quote from Elder Holland from a talk he gave called Created for Greater Things. And this is what he said, fighting through darkness and despair and pleading for the light is what opened this dispensation. It is what keeps it going. And it is what will keep you going. So thank you for listening to this podcast and trying to seek light in your own life. And I hope that I provide you with a little bit of light and remember that light is what opened the dispensation and it will continue to keep you going light will. And there's a lot of light out there and I appreciate you seeking light through my seeking light podcast. So thank you. So one thing that I thought about last week in my personal scripture study, and then the come follow me study was about the word unfairness. And as I started thinking about it, what I do is like, I've told you before, if I get a thought, I'll just grab my phone, I'll start a document and I'll start putting quotes. I'll put talks, I'll put scriptures on there, and then I'll kind of formulate it. And some things that I was thinking about with unfairness, there were a few quotes that I pulled up that I really liked, and I want to read them to you. <clears throat> uh, Brad Wilcox, there are two quotes that he said. The first one said, he said was a God who is asking nothing of us is making nothing of us. The next quote he said is, not only can Christ resurrect, cleanse, console, and heal us, but through it all, he can transform us to become more like him. 
And then a quote from Elder Holland says, um, he said, if for a while, the harder you try, the harder it gets, take heart. So it has been with the best people who ever lived. So in life, we're going to go through things that can be quite unfair. And I'm going to bring up a couple individuals from the scriptures and share with you a personal story. But there are going to be things that are unfair in life. But as Elder Holland said, so has it been with the best people who ever lived. And as Brad Wilcox said, a God who is asking nothing of us is making nothing of us. So there's going to be things that are unfair, that are difficult, but there is something to be made of them depending on how we handle the situation. So how can you, how can each of us strengthen ourselves during times of unfairness? So I asked Matt, I was like, Hey, I'm doing a podcast on unfairness. And I just wanted to know if you thought of anything in our lives that you felt was unfair. And, um, he brought up a few things. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I started thinking, I thought really, I mean, most things in our life compared to what I'm going to share with you from the scriptures, they've really, I mean, at the moment they probably felt really horrible, but we've been really blessed. Um, I mean, we've, we've gone through a lot of things, but I guess just going through it has strengthened me. So anyway, I am sure that Nephi and Joseph felt the same way. So in my personal study, um, I've been reading in the first book of Nephi and then with come follow me, I've been reading all about Joseph and, um, I first want to talk about Nephi. (laughs) I, it always amazes me when I restart reading the book of Mormon, how many times his brothers try to kill him, tie him up, hurt him, hit him, uh, wish his life would be gone. And constantly he is delivered from the hands of his brothers. But I, I want you to think in your mind about your own families. I mean, how would you feel knowing that your brothers or your sisters or whatever wanted you to not exist? So this particular scripture story that I was thinking about is when Lehi asked Nephi and his brothers to go back to Jerusalem, to go to the house of Ishmael and to gain favor in Ishmael's sight and to share with Ishmael that he come join our family, bring your family. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and, you know, um, come journey with us in the wilderness to the tent of Lehi. So Nephi is very obedient and his brothers obviously had a moment of obedience and they went, they went ahead too. And, um, it says that it came to pass that as we journeyed in the wilderness, Behold, Laman and Lemuel and two of the daughters of Ishmael and two of the sons of Ishmael and their families did rebel against us. Yea, against me, Nephi and Sam and their father, Ishmael and his wife and his three other daughters. And it came to pass in the witch rebellion, they were desirous to return unto the land of Jerusalem. And now I, Nephi, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, therefore I spake unto them, saying, Yea, even unto Laman and Lemuel, behold, you are my older brother. So he's like, why? Is it, why are you so hard in your heart? So blind in your minds that you need to have, have me speak to you as your younger brother. Like, why are you doing this? And how have you forgotten the word of the Lord? And how is it that you have forgotten that you've seen an angel of the Lord? And, um, 
they it came, it says that, um, Nephi says it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord saying, Oh Lord, according to my faith, which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, give me strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. So the bands are loosed from his hands and his feet, and he stands before his brethren and they're angry at him. And they want to lay their hands on him again. But one of the daughters of Ishmael, which in my head, I always think it's his future Nephi's future wife, but I don't know that. But one of the daughters of Ishmael and her mother, and one of the sons of Ishmael, they plead with Nephi's brothers to soften their hearts and help them to please not take his life away. And it says that they were sorrowful because of their wickedness in so much they did bow themselves and they did plead for forgiveness. And Nephi says that he frankly forgave them. And he did exhort them to keep praying to the Lord for forgiveness. And so I found that very interesting that through this trial and many times think about when he's creating the ship and how they're mocking him and murmuring against him and complaining against him. And when they go to get the plates, they're mad at him that they haven't been able to get them and they don't want to go back and get them from Laban that third time. And you think about when they get to the promised land that they want to take his life. And eventually the Lord warns Nephi to leave. And so there's all these times of repetitive desire to have Nephi out of the way, out of the picture. And Nephi is always shown thanking the Lord, praying for guidance, asking what he needs to do, asking the Lord to teach him about what his father knew. He is, he said, I love how he said in the, when he said, I did exhort them that they would pray unto the Lord, their God for forgiveness. So here they had done this horrible thing to Nephi personally. And he didn't say, yeah, you need to ask me for forgiveness. And I'm going to, you know, he said, you need to pray to the Lord, your God and receive forgiveness for what you've done. And, um, I really, I just love his example of all this unfairness that takes place with those that are the closest to him in his life. He frankly forgives them and he continues to move forward, offering sacrifices, having gratitude, praying, receiving revelation, going to the mountain to be instructed of the Lord. And he just keeps persevering. He doesn't stop with us all this unfairness. Elder Renlund said in his talk, infuriating unfairness. Some unfairness cannot be explained. Inexplicably, unfairness is infuriating. Unfairness comes from living with bodies that are imperfect, injured, or diseased. Mortal life is inherently unfair. Some people are born in influence, others are not. Some have loving parents, others do not. Some live many years, others few. And on and on and on. Some individuals make injurious mistakes, even when they are trying to do good. Some choose to not alleviate unfairness when they could. Distressingly, some individuals use their God-given agency to hurt others when they never should. So you have that going on around the world today of individuals that are suffering unfairness at the hands of others. Another example from the scriptures in my reading this last week was about Joseph. So Joseph was loved greatly by his father. Um, and he, uh, was, his brothers were very jealous of him. And so he goes to find his brothers in a land called Dothan or Dathan, Dothan. And when they see him coming, they decide, you know what, let's kill him. Let's put him in a pit 
and we will tell our father that an evil beast devoured him and um, we won't have to deal with his dreams anymore. Now he does have a brother named Reuben that hears it. And Reuben, I think has a more soft heart than his brothers. And he said, let's not kill him. Uh, he said, we don't need to shed his blood. Let's just cast him in the pit in the wilderness. Let's not put our hands on him. Um, so when Joseph was approaching his brothers, he gets to them. They take Joseph, they take his coat off of him. They cast him into the pit. Now the pit's empty, but there's no water in it. And they sit down and they're eating and drinking. And, um, they see some Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and mirth. And they're going down to Egypt and Judah, who is Joseph's brother, he says, what if we just, okay, we won't slay our brother because we'll have to conceal his blood, but let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And so then our hand won't be upon him and everyone will be content about that. Then they were passed by Midianite merchants and they drew and they lifted up Joseph out of the pit and they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they bought Joseph, brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, Reuben, he returned to the pit um, because he didn't know that his, his brother had been um, sold to the Ishmaelites. And he sees that Joseph is not in the pit and he rents his clothes. Now, the Midianites sold him in Egypt under Potiphar, the office, an officer of a pharaoh and the captain of the guard. So Joseph, talk about unfairness. He was in slavery for 13 years. I want you to imagine that. Imagine being in slavery for 13 years. Now, Potiphar did really like Joseph a lot. He put Joseph in charge of many things and he trusted Joseph. And um, he found, says that Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him oversee his house and all that he had in it. And, um, Joseph, although he was considered, you know, um, a, a slave, I guess you could say, uh, to Potiphar, um, he was given great responsibility because he was greatly trusted, but Potiphar has a wife and she wants Joseph to lay with her and he refuses. And he says, you know, my master would not be happy of this house. And I'm not going to do something like this to him, but she just doesn't know when to stop. She just keeps going. And here he is trying to serve and do the best thing and take care of the business of the house, but she's just not going to give up. And so it tells us in verse 12 that he, um, she catches him by his garment and she says to lie with me. And he leaves his garment in her hand and he gets out of there. And it came to pass that when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, she, and was fled forth, she called the men of the house and spake unto them saying, look, you brought this Hebrew unto us. And he tried to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice and look, I've got the garment of his clothes to prove to you that this happened. So she tells her husband Potiphar what Joseph has done. And Joseph puts him, or I'm sorry, Potiphar puts Joseph into prison. 
Okay. So here, Joseph has brothers that want to take his life and sell him. And then you have him going to another location, having this woman that is falsely accusing him is trying to have him sin against God. And then here's a man that absolutely cared for him, honored him, think, you know, put him in charge of his house and he throws him into prison. But I want you to know that it says the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So Joseph is committed to prison and he is found in good favor and the Lord is with Joseph. And this is what over time, as we know, Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph interprets the dream. He's then given and charged to um, provide for the famine during the famine to store up. And in the end, he saves his family. And this is what it says in Genesis 41. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. For thou shalt be over my house, according unto thy word shall all the people be ruled, only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh unto, said unto Joseph, see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. So here is the unfairness of his life, of what he's gone through, and yet he is still maintaining his faith. He's still serving, loving, the Lord is with him. And then of course, I cannot not, you know, bring up the savior of the world, right? Jesus Christ, um, literally experienced unfairness on this earth. And he understands any unfairness that we're going through. Um, Elder Renlund said in his talk, my heart aches for those who face such unfairness, but I declare with all of my aching heart that Jesus Christ both understands unfairness and has the power to provide a remedy. Nothing compares to the unfairness he experienced or he endured. It was not fair that he experienced all the pains and afflictions of mankind. It was not fair that he suffered from, for my sins and mistakes and yours but he chose to do so because of his love for us and for heavenly father. He understands perfectly what we are experiencing. So the savior understands any unfairness that you and I go through. And we need to be able to find in our lives as we go through unfairness, ways that we can draw upon the power of God in our lives. Um, so when I was talking to Matt and I was like, Hey, can you think of any times in our lives where you, we felt like it was unfair? And one thing that he brought out was, um, we, in 2005, we bought this home on two acres in central Oregon. And we really, we couldn't believe we were able to get this home and we got it for a great deal. And, um, we loved it and it was a custom built home. And, um, the story of getting it was amazing and everything was just wonderful. Well, within the two years of being there, we began to see a huge rise in housing prices. So that was 2005, 2006. And then um, all of a sudden things started to get really weird in 2007. Well, we had decided to leave central Oregon and, and move back over in the Valley area. And, um, 
what happened was our house value, we got offers, but they were contingent upon other people selling their homes. And so Matt and I, we got into a rental where we moved um, in a, the town where Matt was an administrator. And we thought, okay, well, we'll be in this rental for a year and then we'll be able to um, buy a home. Well, unbeknownst to us, there was going to be a huge housing market crash and everything was going to be completely devalued. So as we were waiting for offers for other people's houses to go through, our offers would fall through on our home from other people because they couldn't sell their home. So our house went from having so much value and so much equity that we had bought it so low in 2005 and hit it just skyrocketed within two years. But now it was just dropping, 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 dropping. Well, the blessing of it was, is that I was able to find a rental, um, with everything that I had wanted so badly for in a home, a yard, a garage, another half bath. And that's all I just wanted to live until we could figure out this housing. So we decided the housing market is so bad. Our house is under value of what we bought it for. Even originally in 2005, we just have to get renters and we've got to wait this out. Well, that waiting lasted for seven and a half years. And I want you to know that because of corruption and evil things that were happening in the world in regards to the stock market, the money, housing, people getting loans that shouldn't have got well, everything that was done by other people, there was a great feeling of unfairness that Matt and I had for what we were going through when we were trying to do the right thing. We personally did not want to um, short sell or foreclose. We just wanted to be able to cut even. But our house was so undervalued that we waited for seven and a half years before we could even get close to what the price we paid. But I want you to know that through that feeling of unfairness, like, why is this happening? Why can't things turn around? Because uh, our rent that we got from our renters for the seven and a half years, it never covered the mortgage. So on top of us paying rent where we were, we were also paying a mortgage payment and, um, of a house that we didn't own. I mean, we owned it, but we didn't live in it. So, um, when we sold it, we were still at a, quite a substantial, uh, deficit, $40,000. And what we did is we told our bank, look, we don't want to have bad credit. We will just set up a loan, even though we sold the house and we still owe 40,000 on it. We will set up a loan and we will pay payments on that and tell that pay that we've paid off the loan. And there were people that were said, are you crazy? Why are you doing that? Just foreclose. But Matt and I just felt for ourselves so strongly that we just needed to remember the blessings that God had already bestowed upon us through this whole experience of this housing crisis, the loss of money. And even though we set up a loan with our bank and we did pay the $40,000 um, over the last five years, then um, it was worth it for what we learned. And it was hard, but again, it was a blessing and it taught us a lot. Um, Elder Renlund said in his talk, and if you have time, go read it. It's so good. He said, in mortality, we can boldly come to the Savior and receive compassion, healing, and help. Even while we suffer inexplicably, God can bless us in simple, ordinary, and significant ways. And that's what I want you to say. I want you to know is that I felt like with our house, 
the suffering was inexplicable. Like why I can't even explain why did this happen at this time? Why couldn't we sell this? But I felt so blessed in simple, ordinary, and significant ways. As we learn to recognize these blessings, our trust in God will increase. And it did mine and Matt's trust in God completely increased through this whole process of having a home that we were not living in for seven and a half years in the eternities, heavenly father and Jesus Christ will we resolve all unfairness. We understandably want to know how and when, how are they going to do that? When are they going to do that? To my knowledge, they do not, it has not been revealed how or when, what I do know is that they will. In unfair situations, one of our tasks is to trust that all that is unfair about life can be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ overcame the world and absorbed all unfairness. And because of him, we can have peace in this world and be of good cheer. If we let him, Jesus Christ, he will consecrate the unfairness for our gain. He will not just console us and restore us what was lost. He will use the unfairness for our benefit. And you know what? That's what happened. He used the unfairness of what, for the situation that we were in for our benefit. And we gained so much from it when it comes to how, and when we need to recognize and accept as did Alma, that it mattereth not for God knoweth all these things. And it's, he suffereth that he, it sufficeth me to know that this is the case. We can try to hold out our questions about how and when for later and focus on developing faith in Jesus Christ, that he has both the power to make everything right and yearn to do so. For us to insist on knowing how and when is unproductive and after all myopic. So I want you to know that as I read the scriptures and I hear about people that have gone through unfairness, I am thankful for the great plan of our heavenly father for us to come to this earth and have experiences that will test and try us and that will be considered unfair on this earth life. Harold B. Lee said the gospel of Jesus Christ is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> um, when faced with unfairness, elder Renlund said we can push ourselves away from God, or we can draw toward him for help and support. Do not let unfairness harden you or corrode your faith in God. Instead, ask God for help, increase your appreciation for and reliance on the Savior. Rather than becoming bitter, let him help you become better. Allow him to help you persevere, to let your afflictions be swallowed up in the joy of Christ. Join, join him in his mission to heal the brokenhearted, strive to mitigate unfairness, and become a stone catcher. So... I mean, there's many things that you can think about throughout your life and other people's lives that you've seen of unfairness. And I want you to know that, that that's part of this life and really life. It's not about being fair and it's ways of how can we overcome our natural man ways and our pride that obstruct us from getting closer to God through these unfairness, unfair situations. And so to end the podcast, I just want to read one of my favorite quotes from Jeffrey R. Holland. He said, don't you quit. You keep walking. You keep trying. There is hope and happiness ahead. Some blessings come soon. Some come late and some don't come until heaven. But for those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, they come. It will be all right in the end. Trust God and believe in good things to come. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. 
I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.